Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Baby blue just like oh, me. yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. You had better. Get them up. Get them going. It is Tuesday. I'll hook it up with Ian Rod B. Yeah, the morning sky should be a nice one. Temperatures in the middle 40s and uh, another nice Tuesday, the 30th of January. And we appreciate you being with us. Our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation begins right now. Countdown begins for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We'll count down the days a week from this Sunday. Unfortunately, tough news for a lifetime. Longhorn comes in yesterday. We'll get you details on all things NFL, all things football. Um, Also, uh, look forward to that Super Bowl in about uh, 13, 12 days now as we count them down. We've also got plenty of NBA, busy night of, uh, of hardwood action. And, of course, uh, the Longhorns, a tough loss last night in overtime to the Houston Cougars. Uh, showed some grit, showed some fight, but uh, could not beat the fourth-ranked team in the country. We'll uh, talk about how Rodney Terry's team fell to 3-5 and five in Big 12 play last night. It was a really, really good basketball game. Great environment on a big Monday, but unfortunately the Longhorns came up short. We'll certainly uh, talk about that. Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. We've got a lot to do in our five-hour morning, and we appreciate you being there. Every find us you could be on 1019 on the fm dial could be am 1260 of course we're always streaming for you making it so easy digitally to find us on that horn app just download it to your smartphone touch of a button you've got hook them up and all the shows here on the horn uh at your at your fingertips also at hornfm.com as we get you going on this tuesday uh here he is he's rolled into the south austin onion creek compound uh made his way east from his home in South Austin, he is our man. He is from the 713. DB High down in Houston, Texas. DBU right here in the 512. He is uh, our football theorist. He's Blackstradamus. He is a lifetime Longhorn and the proud papa of Baby Monroe. What is going on, Mr. Rod Babers? Uh, appreciate the intro and the hospitality. Uh, yeah, man, just excited. Last man, last couple of weekends of football. I'm a little sad about that. Very much so. Yeah, uh, so we'll be preview, preview and review. Still got some nuggets and some uh, discussion points I want to get to from the championship weekend. Uh, we'll also start previewing the Super Bowl a little bit. We've got plenty of time for that. Yeah, we got to talk Texas basketball. It's disappointing. It was a hell of a game and a hell – I mean, it was actually I, – I thought for a minute, I believe that Texas was going to pull it out and um, pull out a victory over a top-five team, uh, but they could not. And uh, that's how a Big 12 play goes. I mean, it really is. That's how that's how tough it is, and that's the margin for error in the conference. Uh, you could be a good team and still, like Texas, be below 500. And Texas isn't a bad basketball team. The Big 12 is just brutal. Brutal. It is brutal, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the margins are are it's slim. You know, we talk, I think we talk about it a lot within the playoffs in the NFL. Sure. When you get to the to this level, you know, we talk about it with uh, the quarterbacks who lost over the weekend and the the quarterback conversations that go on where legacies are made. You know, you know, same kind of thing, right? The margins are very slim. Important big plays matter, um, mistakes matter, and that's what happens in the Big Twelve on a night by night basis. It's a really um, small margin for error uh, when you're playing these really, really good teams on a night-by-night basis. The coaching's very good. <laughs> oh, the man. talent is really good. Listen, they're not a bad team, but no. look at where they are in Big 12 play. Yeah. It's just, like I said, I, I, it's hard hard to be too critical. I mean, you got to get the job done. you got to pull out the win. But I, I really do I, I understand how uh, the, the Longhorns are under 500, even though, like I said, I, I think they're a good team uh, The Big 12 every night. <laughs> you got to find a way to be clutch in clutch time. It's basically tournament play 
every night. You're just in a tournament. Yeah, and <laughs> and their chances to make the big dance oh, are kind of slipping every no. time you take a loss. And yeah. uh, then we'll, we'll we'll let yeah. you know and, and re recap here from Rodney Terry coming up how they found their their latest loss in Big 12 play. Uh, in a really, really good basketball game. But you're right, and they have, now have three home losses. Mm. Uh, those are the things that are the killers, oh, right? I mean, yeah, because it's, it's, it's almost impossible to win on the road. Yes, and they've now lost. I mean, that's why, as we said, coming in the next morning when they lost to Central Florida, although the controversy was about horns down and postgame handshakes, it was really you just lost at home to, to one of the teams you need to beat for yep. sure in the Big 12 uh, that you should be able to handle. If you played against Central Florida like you did last night, you would have won that game. If you played against Texas Tech in their your opener at home against like you did last night, you would have won that game. Yeah. And last night's game wouldn't have been as impactful. Uh, but here you are with another conference loss. And this weekend, you're, you know, your next game, now you have a little extra time because you played the quick turnaround Monday game. Now you're headed off to play TCU on Saturday, who's also yeah. a ranked team. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those no West for gauntlet Lord. things. But uh, you've got to defend your home floor. Frustrating, so we'll talk about it. We'll also get into some NBA. We'll get into the NFL. Senior Bowl is also this week, which, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't really mention much of the Senior Bowl. But the Longhorns have plenty of representation at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Not as much as we thought. I know. There's a weird story. Some guys didn't show up. I don't yeah. know. Uh, Jay Witt's not, uh, for whatever reason, we don't think anything's wrong or anything, but for some reason, like, we thought that Jay, Jay Witt would be on the roster, and he's not, and then Byron Murphy has an injury. So Byron Murphy was there for, like, you know, I think interviews and stuff like that, but he wasn't actually Not going to participate. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, if you're not 100%, yeah, you don't, you, you, not. it can do you more harm than good. Yeah, uh, you just go to the interview and show up and shake hands and that, talk to people. Yes. Yeah, uh, measure, that's about it. Because J.T. Sanders, same thing. J.T. Sanders went to the, the other, what, the Shrine? The Shri East-West Shrine East -West game up in Frisco, game, yeah. And he didn't play. He just measured. Or he's not going to participate. He just, I think he just measured in. And the same with uh, Jonathan Brooks. Yeah, exactly. And obviously he's dealing with the knee injury. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, <laughs> we got a lot of guys that are agreed to it, but they're dealing with injuries. But you still should have pretty good representation. Yeah, they'll be, they'll be three good. guys. Yeah, I, as huh? I mentioned, originally yeah. the Longhorns were set to have seven, seven. players at that trine <laughs> ball at that 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 uh, senior ball. But obviously, Alfred Collins and Jade Barron announced they're coming back to Texas. They had they had been invited, mm -hmm. uh, but they're going to take advantage of their extra year of eligibility. And then, uh, as you talked about these injuries, but man, uh, I think Michigan's got eight players there at the at, at Mobile. At, uh, and then uh, seven I for Georgia. Say two or three of them yeah. are not participating. Yeah, it's one of those you're invited, yeah. and then if yeah. you're not healthy enough, and you. You know, had a long season, whatever it might be. But uh, yeah, we'll certainly cover what goes on in Mobile. Talk some Longhorn football this morning uh, because that season never ends as we count down days now to the uh, to the uh, you know, spring practices, which are going to be you know on top of us before we know it. Let's start with the headlines, though. Get you caught up on the news of your Tuesday morning, including what went on at the Moody Center last night. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. And yeah, Texas basketball, tough outcome for the Horns at a jam-packed Moody Center last night. They end up on the short end of a hard-fought overtime thriller. Fourth-ranked Houston Cougars came to town and pulled out a 76-72 win on Big Monday. Thanks in large measure to their interior muscle and 25 big points from Mainer native Jamal Shedd. Heck of a game. Cougars started quick, opened as much as a 12-point lead in the first half. They're up eight at the intermission at 33-25. Texas, though, found their offense in the second, went on a 14-4 run, took a six-point lead. They're up 54-48. Like they were going to pull away, but Houston responded as a top-five team will. They drilled three consecutive three-pointers, two from Shed. They tied the game at 59, went to overtime tied at 65. Texas fought to the finish but outscored 11-7 in the extra five minutes. They couldn't keep Houston off the glass all night. Kelvin Sampson's team out-rebounded Texas by 11. That included 15 offensive rebounds. That led to 19 second-chance points as they improved to 6-2 and two in the Big 12. Texas falls to 3-5 and five for head coach Rodney Terry. You know, again, it's not, it's not enough for us trying to come close or have a more victory. 
we're not in it for more victories. We, we, we compete at the University of Texas to win. And, uh, and I know our guys tried to do that tonight at, all, at, a, at a very high level. No disappointment in their effort and their want to and the want to win tonight uh, at, at home. To, again, we'll keep working hard and keep trying to get better in this league. Trying to get better. It's tough, as we mentioned, at TCU this weekend. Max Aismas led the Longhorns with 20. Dylan Mitchell had 16 points and 10 boards. A busy night in the NBA. Spurs lost at home to Washington, 118-113. Big win for the Rockets down in Houston. They roll past the LA Lakers, 135-119. Jalen Green had 34. Luka Doncic stays on his heater. Mavericks nipped Orlando, 131-129. 45 points, 15 assists for Luka. Also last night, Nuggets spoiled the debut of uh, Doc Rivers with the Milwaukee Bucks. Denver wins it in Denver, 113-107. Game of the night was when it was in OK. KC, where the visiting Timberwolves took down the Thunder 107-101 in a meeting of the top two teams in the Western Conference. NFL countdown now on to Super Bowl 58 in Vegas. The Chiefs will force face the 49ers a week from this Sunday. Unfortunately for Kansas City, they will not have the services of former Longhorn Charles Amenahu for the game. MRI yesterday revealed that he suffered a torn ACL during the first half of Sunday's win in Baltimore. CO's absence significant for the Chiefs' defense that allowed the second fewest points in the NFL during the regular season. He recorded seven sacks in 11 games during the regular season. Also, a strip sack and a fumble cause of Lamar Jackson for suffering that injury on Sunday. Also in the NFL, it appears the Chargers have found their new general manager to pair with head coach Jim Harbaugh. According to Adam Schefter, L.A. is set to hire Baltimore Ravens director of player personnel Joe Horitz as their GM. Horitz has been with the Ravens since 1998, has worked with Jim's brother John during most of his stint with that uh, AFC North team. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Yeah, offensive rebounding, biggest factor in the oh, game. Big time. For U of H. I mean, that was huge. I mean, they just uh, killed Texas on the offensive boards. Was it uh, 15 to 15 offensive rebounds, I believe it was for them? Uh, 19 second chance points on, yeah, 15 offensive boards. That was huge. That was, uh, if you're looking for what tipped the scales, that definitely tipped the scales. Yeah, the Longhorns were. were, were, D-Bowed him inside. I mean, if you tell me. And Dessou's great. I mean, he did what he can. What do you have, 10? Uh, Dylan Mitchell had 10. Dylan Mitchell had 10, sorry. Yeah, but he he was one of the guys, especially in overtime, that that wasn't boxing out, and uh, they were getting those second chance points. He's an active player, Dylan Mitchell, but sometimes he can lose his man. Uh, when it's time to offense, you know, hit the glass and defend your 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 rim, and uh, too many second chance points, obviously, because the Texas offense found their rhythm against the best defense in the country. I mean, this is the best defensive team in in all of not just the Big Twelve, but really in 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 college basketball. Uh, I was reading some uh, some projections. If they win, if they were going to win this game the last night, they might be the number one overall seed in the tournament. When Mr. people talk talking about bracketology, that's how good Houston is. And Texas played them, you know, all the way in overtime. And if they, you know, box out and, and, and make some plays there late, they get a victory here. But uh, as we say, small margin for error. And the offensive glass was certainly um, the biggest biggest separator in the game. Yeah, uh, slow start offensively for uh, Max Aismas, also for Dessou. And that's kind of what led to, you know, the lull. But then Texas battled back. I mean, they did a, they did a great job. It's kind of that 12-2 run in the second half. And that got him right back in the game. And Dylan Mitchell was a big part of that, right, with his active, his active yeah. uh, athleticism on the offensive end especially. He had some offensive boards and some putbacks, and uh, he was really good. Uh, you know, I, one of the, the, the pieces of sound and the quotes that still resonate was Dylan DeSue after that loss to Central Florida saying, when we learn to play 40 minutes of basketball, we're going to be fine. 
I still don't think they do it, Rod. I still don't think they show up with the intensity it takes for 40 minutes. And that's, that's one of the marks that you can absolutely give to a Kelvin Sampson team. That team, you know, was locked in from the jump. Um, you know, Jamal Shedd, who's, you know, from Maynard right down the road there, uh, he had a big group in attendance. And he, he showed they, up. They were locked in. And, you know, you just can't yeah. play that. Uh, you heard if you were watching the ball game and, and weren't at the Moody Center, if you were watching Fran Fraschilla, even the first half was like, you know, Pretty much point blank saying Texas is not matching the intensity of Houston right now. Uh, that's the adjustment that needs to be made. And you know, when a, when a former coach like Fran can can see that from courtside, we can all see it too. And that's just you know that's that's on Rodney, the staff, the players. I mean, you got to play for 40 minutes, and that's when we talk about yeah. margins of error because you know the, that first 20 minutes comes back to get you in the back end when you do finally get your rhythm and get things going. It was a late tip. Uh, crowd was there. Probably uh, uh, you know that that that, that first. To start of the game, uh, frustrating for Texas, but in the end, frustrating because uh, you lost to a really good team, and that's that's the challenge of the Big Twelve run. It is, like I said, it's I, I it's hard to say you are if you are what your record says you are. You know, obviously the Texas the Texas Longhorns are you know an under five hundred team in the Big Big Twelve play, but man, they're they're so close, and I think they just uh, and, and you pointed this out earlier this what this season that they took a while to find their identity. I do think now they kind of found their brand of basketball they like to play. Um, but, man, in the Big 12 play, I think they they had, they had some growing pains, and you can't afford to have those. And now your tournament hopes are mm, fading. Fading. Start fading. Start fading. Yeah, the three and – well, because – You're three and five in the Big 12 play, and it's not getting easier. Not going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, at, at one and three at home. Right. Exactly. One of the, the only and the, the only big. only home win was over Baylor, which is your biggest win to this point. It's your only quad one win. Well, I guess you got the Oklahoma game too. So that was a quad one win on the road. So two quad one wins, uh, and that's the other thing about the Big Twelve and the way they they seed the tournament. When they do, you, know, you got you got quad one, two, three, and four wins yeah. or losses. Longhorns don't have any quad you know bad losses. Their well, losses are all to good teams. <laughs> uh, I mean, and that's the thing. Uh, so, but if you, you, the opportunities are still there to go get some victories, uh, and that's the thing about playing 40 minutes. You know, finding the rotation. I don't. It's not too late. It's not even February yet. Uh, you can still stack up wins, and we saw this team last year catch its mojo mid-February and uh, went on and won the Big 12 tournament. Uh, Dylan DeSue became the, the leader and uh, was a big part of that. They just have to clean things up, play 40 minutes of intense basketball, uh, hit the glass, and, again, not losing losing to Houston last night in overtime. It's, it's not a moral victory, but you can live with that. Yeah, exactly. What you can't live with is the, is the, the BYU game. We allow the Cougars to shoot 65% from the floor. Uh, the Central Florida game, the Tech game. I mean, these are – and this is not to slap Tech, because Tech is certain, currently sitting at 5-1 and one, uh, top the Big 12. And so, Grant McCaslin's team at Texas Tech uh, exceeding expectations in his first year as head coach there. Uh, but still, you know what I'm saying about these home victories, home, home games. unranked opponents. Yes. Yeah. You can you lose some ranked opponents. Yeah, don't lose the unranked opponents you at home. you got to win those. And that, now – they've gotten away and so now you got to make it up at some point and that's why last night was big uh, but the Longhorns fall and a frustrating loss but uh, you know fought to the end really liked what you're getting from Max Aismas in that game and oh, they're getting better yeah seems like it right and, and Kendall Still Weaver better. just is becoming a fan you know what a, what a hustle player he is just a glue guy um, Kelvin Sampson said that he was the best defensive guard for Texas he did a great job on, on Jamal Shedd uh, he was denying him the basketball yeah. really up in his in his face and you know I mean he, Kelvin Sampson, highly complimentary of Texas after the game. He really was. Uh, yeah. but they, they earned their respect. Uh, no doubt about that. Yep. Because they pushed him. But that's why you know, some people think Houston can win a national championship. And I think they can. They got the guard play. 
and they just have so much muscle. I mentioned yesterday when you watch Houston, you'll think, man, those guys, do they play football? They do play they play some bully ball. They got some they dudes. Do. They got some dudes on the interior. And, you know, so the the offensive glass, not surprising that they they win it. And and getting L.J. Cryer, who was, you know, the name from Baylor through the the portal, has been big for them to pair with Shed in the backcourt. He's a Houston native, and uh, I like that team. I like that team big picture when it comes time to fill out brackets and things of that nature because they're really really stacked in the right places. They are. uh, The Big 12, but the Big 12 is just stacked, period. I mean, the team that comes out of the Big 12, you're going to be battle-tested. No. I just think tournament, the tournament usually kind of, you know, it's shell shock a lot of teams because there's a lot of pressure and you're playing good teams. Like you said, good coaching, good players. That's Big 12, night after night. Um, I, I, I'd probably pick the best team to come out of the Big 12 to win the tournament, to win the whole damn thing. And it, well, wouldn't, it wouldn't be crazy and out of the realm. For sure. Say I mean, whoever the, big t- the best team is that comes out of it. Well, in recent years, Baylor's won a championship. Uh, Kansas won a championship. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, for sure. And they, as competitive as, as it's been in a long – I mean, it's, well, it's, the first couple rounds of the tournament, first couple weekends, it kind of eases up when you get out of the Big 12. You know, that, that first weekend, <laughs> you get, oh, wow, this is kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> that actually might be true. Uh, but, no, man, it's it, 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 I will say they've done a good job. I know that – Brett Yarmore, his intention is to kind of monopolize the college basketball power, right, and try to at least get the most market share of college basketball because they're not going to be – well, maybe, they're still obviously surviving in the power four, power whatever we're doing, power three. I have no idea what it is now. Power four. But they're going to be, you know, on the bottom of those – with that tier, all right, of that hierarchy. They're never going to surpass the ACC or the SEC or – the the Big Ten just not going to happen because they don't have a blue blood, but they have blue bloods in, in basketball. basketball. That, that's going to be you know the I mean? They ticket. don't have blue bloods in football anymore, but they got blue bloods in basketball. And they, I, I honestly, when you think about it, this this is their time of the year. Then, it, absolutely, right at the end of football season, this is when the Big Twelve is supposed to shine because they're talking about all the best teams in college basketball in March. Well, and it, you know whether it's on Saturday or any any night during the week, these are really entertaining games. I mean, if you're looking that was for a great one. without football, I mean these were these are good games night by night. Heck, uh, Houston now goes to Kansas on Saturday afternoon, and Fog Allen that'll be a hell of a hell of an atmosphere, yeah. hell of a ball game. Couple teams that uh, each could win the national title uh, when it all comes down to it. Uh, but again, it's about 40 minutes of basketball, Rod. We'll talk about it. We'll take your thoughts. Text lines open five. Five one two. Uh, four four seven three seven seven six. You just can't play a game where in the first half you shoot thirty five percent. You don't shoot a free throw. Uh, you just didn't match intensity. Second half you shoot sixty one percent. You go to the line, you know, twenty times because you were aggressive. It's like where is that for forty minutes? That's what they still do not do, Rod. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the closest they got to it was the Oklahoma game. Baylor, you can put in there too, but uh, when they play forty minutes of basketball, they typically win. The games when they've lost these games, these three and five start in the conference, there's a long period of lulls. There's a 10-minute stretch where they just don't play with the intensity it takes, and, and I don't why, know. Why is, that, uh, I, why is that difficult? Why is that I know. Is it the depth of the team? Is it the rotations? Uh, is it the wrong guys on the floor at the wrong time? I think so. I mean, that's part of it. That's what they have to figure out, right? That's, and are we talking about the starts? Are we talking are these, are these it's lulls diff- different times? It's coming different times. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, look at the – you know, the Central Florida game was the last 10 minutes. Last night it was probably the first 10 minutes of the basketball game. Starts, yeah. uh, and, again, when you don't shoot a single free throw in the first half but you end up with, with 20 free you're throw attempts. Aggressive, you're not aggressive enough. Yeah. I mean, that Period. tells you that you're yeah. 
you know, you're playing passive. Yeah, you're settling. You're, and and not and and you know, getting called out by the the color announcer on the broadcast. Uh, that's never good. But uh, yeah, that's the the frustration. But to your point, if we can talk about in football, you know, coaches are problem solvers. I mean, that's the the problem that Rodney Terry has to solve with his coaching staff, uh, because as, as Kelvin Sampson would say last night after the game, and we've seen against Baylor and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They, they can beat anybody. I mean, they're there. It's not about talent. Uh, it's about the right, the right mix of players in the right times and playing yep. 40 minutes of, you know, just compete your ass off basketball. Yep. No, I'm with you on that. I, and I, like I said, it's, <laughs> it's hard to be critical of the team because they're fighting like hell. You, they aren't getting better, but mm, that ain't good enough in the Big 12. It's just, just not. And if they don't find their kind of rhythm quickly here, um, they're not. It, it's not going to matter too much. The big, the, their tournament hopes are going to be done. All right, we'll talk Texas hoops. We'll take your thought if you were part of the sellout crowd at Moody Center. It was a great environment. We'll uh, certainly take your your thoughts. Spec, uh, the text line is there five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Rod hated to see the news on Charles Amenahu yesterday. Uh, he, uh, you know, had that big strip sack of Lamar Jackson, and uh, you know he he had talked after the game. He was he was going to be playing in the Super Bowl, but obviously the MRI revealed otherwise that he did tear his ACL. And that, that sucks not just for the Super Bowl, but that can impact him next year, right? I mean, this is oh, almost yeah. February. No um, you know, that's a, sometimes a you know, three-fourths of a year, year-long injury. Um, the CO really was coming on with the seven sacks and big part of that Chiefs pass rush. Hate to see that. Uh, and it, it happened on such a freak play, just kind of out in space, kind of landed awkwardly on his leg. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of – I always say pass rushing is a natural – Traits is something you really can't coach or teach. Some guys just have it now. You can get better at it, but some guys just they just do it naturally. He's one of them dudes. Always has been. Just a guy that can naturally get after the passer, especially when he's coming from the edge. But he can do it inside too. Uh, he's been great. He was great for. I remember when the Texans had him, and I would keep saying, "Man, the Texans should try to keep him around. He could be a nice little piece for you." But he, he came to the Texans in a weird phase of the team, and then the Forty ers who covered what. D lineman who can pass rush, right? So they were like, uh, yeah, we, we like him. We'll use him. And the 49ers brought him in, and then Kansas City Chiefs using him. And, man, he's good organizations like Charles Amenahu. Yes. After the, after the, after, <laughs> yes, they do. Right? Good organizations are like, hey, you know what? That, that dude, we can use that dude. That dude's got nice pass rush because he's, he's a natural pass rusher. So that trait will always be coveted. It, 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 that guy can just you can just put him out there in a predictable pass situations and you know he's going to apply pressure and like I said he's got he's he's always had that ability but like I said, good organizations they like Charles Amenahu whether it be football luck or the football gods like him uh, or it's just his you know work ethic or whatever it is you know he's played with great organizations and had a chance he'll play against his old team the 49ers yes. in the Super Bowl at least he had a chance to so I I, I feel bad about that you do and that's a big part he had of this great game. season seven sacks. In like 11 games, right? Did you, what did you say, two forced fumbles? Yeah, seven sacks in 11 games. He had a suspension early. Uh, but, yeah, you know, he, he, he does have that. He's got those long arms. You know, Charles, C.O. Oh. Was, C.O. was an intern for us back in the day, Rod. Yes, he was an intern in our afternoon that. show. Yeah, I remember that. And he, he, was, he, was, he wanted to learn about radio, learn about media um, during his time at Texas, and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. And uh, you root for him. But he's got super long arms. I mean, he's got these freakishly long arms, and that's big for pass rushers, right? You want to get, oh, get, the, get the tackle off of you, get, the, uh, get that, that extension, yep. and then be able to use those swim moves and those moves, and he certainly has them. I'll ask you this question as we start counting down the days to the Super Bowl, Rod. So Patrick Mahomes has already gone through two in the Dolphins. He's gone through Josh Allen and the uh, Bills on the road. He's gone through Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on the road. And now they're playing a neutral site with the 49ers. Why are they the underdog? Um, I don't know because <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has another dog. I went through that with last yes, week. Yes, you did. He, 
You should, I'm not picking against them. I'm not going to do it. If They're I, getting a point and a half as of right now. I know they started out. Remember, started as a two. And, they started out as a two and a half point dog, and it it quickly shifted to a point and a half to a point. So America, they're smart. They're, they're smart about it too. They they're smart enough to know. Nah, man, you don't really pick against Patrick Mahomes. If you're going to have them that much of an underdog, I'll take it. I would say that Vegas is uh, on point more often than they're not, and the folks who who, who gamble. Uh, the Niners, you know, this, this also shows some respect to Brock Purdy for what he's done in, in these last two games, right? Yeah. I mean, his clutch gene, the, you know, the ability to you know, play a poor half, but, man, when it matters most, kind of the opposite of Lamar Jackson, and, and we talk about with Dak Prescott, right? When it matters most, Brock Purdy has shown to be able to step up and not just be good, but be great, like carry his team. I mean, to go from, you know, have an average first couple of couple – first half of the game and – carry them to wins over the Packers and the uh, Detroit Lions. He was outstanding in the second half against Detroit after they got down 17. Uh, that is He's a been, lot of respect that they have. They're, they're the favored team against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I I think Vegas is – they just know – you know, Vegas puts that line there for different reasons, but one of the variables is um, we want to engage <laughs> people. Right? That's why they the Vegas loves messing with Longhorns fans too, because they know Longhorn fans are very engaging. <laughs> right? They, they, they Longhorn fans are really, really proud of their brand and they're really proud of their teams, and they got a lot of money uh, too. So I think they also that line is getting Americans because well, what Patrick Mahomes is now, right? He's on track to be the goat potentially. Um, I think they're just trying to get some Americans to engage as well. Because sure. well, that line the... doesn't make a lot of sense. It should be honestly a pickle. I agree. It should that's be a straight up pickle. And, and look, I mean, Vegas they, does. They don't make no money on the pickle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Vegas, and the line moves based on you know they want even money on but both it's, sides. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, they, different variables. They just don't want to take a bath either way, right? I and mean, that's kind of the point of the of the, the of Vegas and the, the the when they set the line, they're trying to to, to give a power ranking and then. Depending on how the money goes, they're gonna they're gonna cover themselves either way by moving it. But either way, it is surprising that they open. But that's not a knock on the Niners. That's a really good football team, right? I mean, they've they've beaten some some you know, really quality opponents this year. But it does speak to that. I think there's some respect for Brock Purdy and what he's done. Does that mean he can beat Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl setting? I I wouldn't pick it. It feels weird. It feels like. The Chiefs are trending the right way, and the 49ers are surviving. Yes. Right? The 49ers are, and by the way, but, but Brock Purdy is shining in these moments because he's showing off his clutch gene. Yeah. He's shining, showing off his clutch gene, which is great because we haven't seen that from Brock Purdy. We haven't seen the 49ers with a clutch quarterback since Shannon's been there. So this is also an extraordinary phenomenon that 49ers – I'm a 49er fan, right? so I know these people – that they are experiencing, but they're freaking out because their team's not playing really well. They're yeah. not playing well. They're just surviving because clutch, clutch Purdy right now uh, you know, is just making great plays in critical moments. But the Chiefs are playing their best football. They are. Of the season, and they're doing it on the road as underdogs. This is weird. It is weird that they're <laughs> the underdog. It is. It is weird. It is, because you're right. I mean, the Packers really outplayed the Niners for a majority yeah. of that game, and uh, the, 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 the Niners nice snatched it. Detroit. You know, talk about Dan Campbell decisions, some drop passes, yeah. uh, mistakes made by the Lions, or they'd be playing in this Super Bowl. And, yeah, the Chiefs are the underdog uh, with about 12 days to the game. So, so we'll, we'll preview. We'll take your thoughts. That's why I don't. No, no, no. That's why I said I'm rooting for the 49ers because that's my family. But, oh, man, I don't know. Shano's fam. I don't know. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hedging my bet, I guess, because I don't know if I can I don't know if I can pick against my home. I All won't right. do it. 
We'll take your thoughts. Super Bowl, uh, NFL, we'll get to all of it. Also, uh, the review and the, the recap of what went on over the weekend. And, of course, the uh, 30 teams not in the Super Bowl, the moves that are being made. We'll get to all of them, including Kellen Moore now with the Eagles to call the offensive plays there. What a cool storyline there. Interesting storyline that is. Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. We've got some what the facts for the end of our first hour of our five-hour Tuesday conversation here on Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. A tough loss for Longhorn basketball last night. Great game, great environment. That's why they they built the Moody Center for games like that, man. That was... uh, so much, so much uh, more environment and energy than the old Irwin Center, the morgue. Uh, but Bijan came out, didn't he? Bijan was there, Bichon yeah. Was and he wearing some shorts showing off those those tree trunk legs of his. And well, I think he's got to be excited to have Raheem Morris uh, as a new head coach now. And they bring, filled out their staff too. Yeah, yeah. and bringing over the Rams. Jimmy Lake is going to be it, the defensive coordinator. It's almost like the uh, the Falcons looked over at what Houston did and said, let's let's kind of replicate that. Let's hire a defensive head coach. And then let him hire. Well, we knew that Raheem Morris was going to go Shanahan. I told you. Shanahan, that. yeah, yeah, I for sure. He was going to Shanahan tree, and that's exactly what he did. And went to, to L.A. to take one of Sean Zach McVay's. Robinson. Yeah, you know, past game coordinator from L.A. Former uh, quarterback at Oklahoma State. For that, sure. That's Zach Robinson. Yeah, that's Zach and Robinson. That, that don't you feel old when that started happening? You're like, what? Yeah. Oh, look, that guy? Yeah. That dude, yeah. Well, but you know, <laughs> for a guy like Bijan, what that's going to mean, a lot of outside zone, a lot of – I mean, the, yeah. the whole thing's built on the run game. Yeah. Uh, whether Christian McCaffrey in uh, – uh, in San Francisco, obviously, Kyron Williams was a revelation for the L.A. Rams, the Notre Dame running back. Mm-hmm. He, when he was on the field, the Rams became a really tough team to beat because they could run the football. I would imagine uh, Bijan is poised for a big, big year too. Yeah, the Shanahan's zone blocking system has always meant, you know, gonna, you know, great production for a running back. Yeah, I mean, you know that when that comes into town, so he should be giddy. Um, but also, I, I'm with you. I, I think overall. He, uh, the, all those weapons, Kyle Pitts, yeah, Drake London. They got to find a quarterback, though. They got to find a quarterback. You're right. That's the big one. They got to find a QB. But uh, I think they're in the right direction, and they got so many weapons that they don't need necessarily an elite QB. Yeah, that's well. That's kind of another staple of the Shanahan. Yeah, system, exactly. Right? Right? You know, they, they, but I would say all of them are different because McVay decides. No, no, I do. I need, I, do, I need a one-on-one. <laughs> and Matt LaFleur is like, you got to be the original Shano <laughs> to be the – I can give me a game-managing quarterback Mike, and be okay. Yeah. But, they, hey, they tried it too. Just didn't work out. They screwed it up. By the way, they I tried saw the Trey a, Lance experiment. Just didn't work out for him. I <laughs> saw a report uh, at a, uh, over the weekend. Uh, interesting that, you know, we talk about the, the Texans and their improved year, you know, winning a division, winning a playoff game. Uh, I saw I saw the name Saquon Barkley linked to the Texans. Would that be, interest you? And they need a running back. They have one of the worst running back rooms in the NFL, in my opinion. And Devin Singletary became a real nice piece. He's a good player, but, but uh, they but, need more. Like if you, if you're going to run that system, just think what uh, what what Ooh. what Christian McCaffrey did for the San Francisco system. Right, yeah. it was the final piece. You know, in Houston with C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins and Tank Dell and. Maybe they got to re-sign Dalton Schultz, but boy, uh, you know Saquon Barkley is going to be available. It looks like from the New York Giants. We'll see. Uh, of course, you know, they gave him that one-year deal this past year, but he'll be one of the most sought-after free agents if he can hit the market. Houston could be interested. We'll see. Uh, They're nice. down in H Town. All right, so we'll certainly start looking forward to the off-season Senior Bowl. But before we do, we have the Super Bowl as the Chiefs are looking to go back to back. Last team to go back to back, Rod, was the Patriots. Oh three, oh four. Oh no, man! They got a chance <laughs> to do it. Um, with with Patrick Mahomes. They're the underdogs, however. And how about this? The Chiefs, as you've documented, Rod, with the win on Sunday, Mahomes is now 3-0 and as a playoff underdog. 
three and zero as a playoff underdog, which is uh, we know it's impressive. But consider that he now has as many wins as an underdog in the playoffs as Brett Favre, Dan Marino, Steve Young, and Jim Kelly combined. It's unbelievable. Those four Hall of Fame players mm-hmm. went three and twenty-five as underdogs in the playoffs. That gives you a little peek at just how clutch, how yeah. great Mahomes it's is. He's three and zero. He's never lost one. Yeah. And I'm not picking against him this week. Well, it's, like I said, it, it's, been, it's three in a row. I know. He was an underdog versus Buffalo, underdog versus on, – on the road, underdog versus – on all these, underdog versus Baltimore, and now it's going to be underdog versus the 49ers. We'll, we'll see. I think by the time the game starts, he'll probably be in a pick em. Yeah. By the time the game starts, he'll swing to a pick I do think so, too. But that, or, or it may swing to Kansas City being favored. Who knows? I have no idea. It's also a rematch of the head coaches. Of course, Andy Reid and Mike Shanahan four years ago. Uh, in Super Bowl 54, last time that happened in a five-year period, it was Tom Coughlin and Bill Belichick when the, the Giants met the Patriots twice in a five-year period. And I believe the, the coach that won, that won the first one usually wins the second one. Yes, sir. It's very – I don't think the, the second coach ever wins. <laughs> That's – that, the, the, the other coach, the coach that lost, I say, the first matchup, I don't think they ever win the second matchup, if I'm not mistaken. I'll, I'll find that data because I saw that and I was like, damn it, damn it. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're you're a Niners fan. Oh, Kyle yeah, Shanahan's one of your best buddies, and like, I think you've told me in the past your wife's a big Niners. My fan. wife's family they were all born in Oakland, so they were and they used to go to the games. Like they had like season tickets to the game, like family you. season tickets. So they're all Niners fans anyway. I'm a Niners, so, so they were like, "Oh man!" So we hooked up. They were like, "Okay, no, we just now we're really in deep." So I'm rooting for the Niners. Niners win, we're good. I just, I might have to decide not to make a pick if I'm going to pick the Niners because I won't pick against Patrick Mahomes ever again. I told y'all, <laughs> you just make I might a pick. decide, yeah, I'm not making a pick because I'm not picking against that dude. Uh, but we'll see. I'm doing my research, but man, right now, just off the top of my head, I and Andy Reid, man, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes together, hard to pick. And Spags, we talked about, we we decided yesterday. He's the best defensive coordinator in the league right now. His resume is as good as any defensive coordinator yeah, yeah, currently yeah, in the NFL. Right? Steve Spagnuolo from the Chiefs, of course. You can't you can argue somebody is, is as good. You can't argue anybody's better. No. No, for what he's going to be talking about, Tom Coughlin and those Giants teams right? that he was a part of. and Come then on, yeah, man. You, talk about them, you just brought the Patriots uh, the, the back-to-back. Hell, they should have been. Yeah. Oh, was it 07 team? 07 team was that, their best team. <laughs> I still can't believe that team lost that game. I mean, that, that team was the best. Be, I mean, the greatest show on turf was incredible. The Cowboys of the 90s, early 90s, were their offense. Oh, but that Tom Tom Brady team with Randy Moss, I mean, nice. That's welcome to slide. They're unstoppable. They were. Uh, unstoppable, and the Giants stopped them. They, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And they had all those pass rushers up oh, there just stacked uh, them. They yeah, really did. Stray Hand and company. It was unbelievable. Yeah, Steve Spagnuolo was the, the architect of that game plan that, that derailed a 19-0 perfect season. You forget that. That Belichick game plan when he was stopped like the, what, the Buffalo Bills with yeah. the, uh, Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas, I think that's in the Hall of Fame. Is that Spagnuolo game plan in the Hall of Fame? Gotta it should be. be. Got to be. It's got to be. Gotta be. They put that Todd, I think they tied Bowles game playing against Patrick Mahomes. Well, Belichick also. They said that should have been in the Hall of Fame, and I agree. That should have been in the Hall of Fame because nobody still had made Patrick Mahomes look that bad. Nope. And that, then, that was a brilliant and, game plan. And, of course, Belichick did it to the greatest show on turf, right, in Tom Brady's first Super Bowl win yeah, when they beat the Rams. And Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and those he guys. He did. Yeah. And, and the refs helped, too. They let them be very physical in that game, if you remember. So he did it twice. He did it to, he did it to, the, to the K-Gun. The K-Gun with and Buffalo. He, and, and he, he did, did it to Marshall. Dang. That's right. Bill Belichick did it twice. That's right. You're right about that. And he's unemployed. <laughs> hey, what what I always say, just because you're good at your job, it doesn't guarantee you job security. That's correct. That's the way it will. Okay, here's the stat I want to give you. This will be the fourth Super Bowl rematch among head coaches all time. Chuck Noll versus Tom Landry. Uh, Jimmy Johnson versus Marv Levy. Tom Coughlin, Bill Belichick, you brought up. Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan. In each of the previous three instances, the coach to win the first one 
also won the second. Damn. That don't don't make me feel good. There you go. So usually the coach that wins the first time wins the second time. Shannon's got to do something here because, like I said, I think the Chiefs are trending. The Chiefs look like they're playing their best football of the season right now, and the 49ers are surviving, but – the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena, besides Cardi B, besides making the second size, but it's that Brock Purdy is showing you that he's clutch. And I got a feeling the game will come down to clutch time. But the problem with that is Patrick Mahomes is as clutch as it's ever been, potentially. I don't know if you, other than Tom Brady, he's about as clutch as it's ever been. You're exactly right. So, All right, looking forward to it. We've got a, a week to, to the bye week and then into next week in Las Vegas. We'll get you before the top of the hour uh, and what the facts. I've got uh, why the ticket prices, if you want to go to this game in Las Vegas or at a record level, get your details I'm on that coming up. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm a, I'm Are make, you really? I'm a, yeah, I've been reaching out to some folks. Nice. I'm going to try to go. We'll that see. That would be awesome. All right, let's, uh, yeah. uh, we'll talk more about that coming up, some other facts of the morning. But right now, let's go behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, now we were just talking about the uh, Senior Bowl and what was supposed to be, you know, a lot of uh, Texas representation at the Senior Bowl. Shout out to my man, CB. Always doing a great job. Uh, he's he, our unofficial producer. Uh, Chris, uh, GB002000. Hit me up with this uh, Twitter feed. Uh, uh, also, uh, Eric Henry, who uh, works with Horns 24-7, um, tweeting out that not only is Byron Murphy, Jordan Whittington not listed on the Senior Bowl roster, Senior Bowl participants, I should say, um, uh, uh, Jalen Ford also isn't listed. Oh, wow. So now we're down to two Longhorns that are going to participate yes. this week in practice. There you go. And then there's also you talked about those that Michigan heavy representation from Michigan. Um, uh, here's a list from Dane Brugler of players who won't participate. Notable prospects. He points out uh, Michael Barrett, Michigan linebacker, uh, Michigan cornerback Mike uh, Sanristil uh, is not going to play either. So they're, a lot of those guys going to be out too. So it's just I think if you got any nick, you don't play in the game pretty much. It can be something small, and it can be something, you know, that really you could play through. But why would you play through it and risk injury when you're about to get into combine season and workout season? So I think most of this stuff is precautionary. But there you go. So the Longhorns and the Senior Bowl only going to have two guys now. Yeah, and so. they they could have had as many as eight yeah, I mean, at one point. Which again, uh, it's it's a voluntary thing. If you're not 100 percent healthy, doesn't do you any good. To yeah, be there. exactly. You, you're going to do more harm than good. And you get hurt. Remember, Rojo got hurt. Yes, you can. Remember, Rojo got hurt in that first – it was first practice, I believe. Hurt his hand, right? But he, he actually – he still he impressed the scouts because he hurt his hand at the beginning of practice. I think he broke it or something at the beginning of practice or hurt it. And then practiced the entire, <laughs> the entire practice. He went through the entire practice, and they found out after the practice that he actually hurt his hand and then they let, didn't let him go. But all the scouts were so impressed with his toughness. See? Anyway, uh, Rojo Steele out there doing his thing. All right. Uh, so there you go. That's your update from the, the Senior Bowl. And shout-out to my man, uh, CB, there. Uh, speaking of prospects coming out, okay, so there's been a lot of discussion about who's going to be the first Longhorn drafted. And I think Mel Kuyper, uh, Mel Kuyper's uh, mock – his latest mock draft, and I, but this was for, before championship weekend – he had uh, A.D. Mitchell as the first Longhorn drafted at 28th overall, um, and he was going to the Buffalo Bills. But, of course, the draft order will indeed change because that was before championship weekend. Dane Brugler tweeted this out yesterday. 
He said, seeing Texas D-tackle Byron Murphy appear in the top 20 of more and more mock drafts, no surprise there with a winking face emoji. Unfortunately, no Murphy this week at the Senior Bowl. He's resting a minor late-season injury. Will be good for combine. So Dane Brugler is here. It's kind of implying that in his draft, he's got Byron Murphy as a top 20 pick, and more and more mock drafts he believes are accurate. You know, they're saying that he's going to be a top 20 pick. I will say Dane Brugler, who I tr- he does great draft analysis. He's a really good draft analyst. He he has a little man crush on Byron Murphy, so that that may contribute to it too. But he's claiming this uh, tweet was from two weeks ago. Byron Murphy went number sixteen overall in my mock, and I think he'll be somewhere in that mid first range. No D tackle was more consistently disruptive on film this season versus both the pass and run than Murphy. Love his quickness and handwork. And that was earlier. That was like that was on the nineteenth. So he. He's basically saying that Byron Murphy is going to be one of the first defensive players taken. If you go back and refer to the Mel Kuyper mock draft, his first mock draft, and obviously these guys are different in their analysis, but just giving you perspective. I mean, he only, if you go look at the top 16 picks, I believe there are only three, yeah, three, yeah, there are three defensive players taken ahead of him because it's supposed to be a heavy offensive draft. It's going to be heavy quarterbacks in the first 10 picks, heavy wide receivers. Mel Kuyper's got three. He's got seven receivers taken in the first round, three in the top 10. He's got, I believe, three quarterbacks going early, two in the top 10. And then they got it's a heavy tackle draft. It's really good yeah, for offensive tackles. the deepest three, three positions, yes. quarterback, receiver, so, and tackle. So if you're going 16, you're going to be among the top three to four top defensive players taken in the draft overall. And it, it's not a great defensive going. impact it's player not, draft, and that's no. part of it. And if you're, if you're looking for someone who's got a, you know, whatever, whatever Byron Murphy's ceiling is a defensive tackle, we know he's got a very low floor. I mean, his floor, he's, his engine never stops. He's got the size. He's 6'1", to play about 3'10", uh, and he plays with leverage. He, mm-hmm. You know, the passion for the game is there. That guy's going to, you know, if he stays healthy, he'll play 10 years for you on your defensive line. Yeah. I mean, he's that kind of player. He is that he's kind just, of player. He's just, you know, his – Sturdy. Just, yes. I don't know if he's had an injury. If you're in the middle of the first <laughs> round, and you, you know, you just – there's not a lot of risk to the pick. Yeah. You know, like I think the, the player with the highest ceiling in the Texas draft class is J.T. Sanders just for what he can become. I agree with that. I already know what Byron Murphy is. That dude's – that dude, lock him in, man. Lock him in. That. He's gonna show up. He's gonna be a. Good. And there are some who compare him a little bit to to Aaron Donald, you know, an Aaron Donald kind of player. Now, does he turn into that? I don't know. But no. you know, the, the the kid from Pittsburgh, because Kalijah Clancy, Cancy went last year to Tampa and Smaller was a starter, tackle. and was yes. a starter, and really was a good player for Tampa, who played made the playoffs. I think Byron Murphy is somewhere between those two, right? He's kind of like slots that. as that kind of player, and yep. those guys are. Those are those. Are, you need those kind of players on your football roster. No, it's a good point about you know we don't know what his ceiling's gonna be, but you know what his floor is. I like the way you put that because I think that's how teams like the Detroit Lions drafted yep. uh, in the first round, uh, and they got them some really good players who could help them right away because those are guys with a like you said a high floor, um, and maybe they have a really high ceiling, but you know they can help you right away. He's one of those guys, so. I don't know if right now it's between A.D. Mitchell and Byron Murphy, but Byron Murphy right now trending closer we get to workouts and things of that nature to be the first Longhorn drafted off the board. Uh, Dane Bruder loves him for that. 
All right, good stuff right there behind the burnt orange curtain. We'll follow the Longhorns who are at the Senior Bowl, now down to two who are going to participate because of a couple coming back to play their their extra year and then some injuries that guys aren't 100% healthy and want to be healthy uh, for the Combine next month. All right, good stuff with Rod. We come back, we'll do some What the Facts. We'll reset that Longhorn basketball game last night, thriller of Moody Center. Longhorns fought their, fought to the end but uh, come up short against the fourth-ranked team in the country. We'll hear from Rodney Terry. Uh, Longhorns fall to 3-5 and five in the Big 12. We're talking about it with you on this Tuesday morning on Hook 'em Up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Still 12 days to Super Bowl 58, but uh, it was 30 years ago this day, Rod, and just the facts, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills 30-13 to win Super Bowl 28. 30 years ago, Emmitt Smith was your MVP. Mm. Bills lost their fourth straight Super Bowl that day. Fourth straight. That's that, that is heartbreaking. Has anybody that that's Vikings did that too. I know. Four. I mean, I, I listen. I know if you never get there, that also sucks <laughs> as a franchise, as a fan base. But to get there four times in a row, oh, to that, come that close Levy, to it. I mean, uh, the oh. ultimate bridesmaid. Uh, but that was also the game where Emmett oh. Smith had his helmet stolen. Remember that story? And it was returned to him a couple weeks later, following was following an anonymous call. They find call. out who stole. No, it? they've never found who stole Emmitt Smith's helmet. Did they? Were they trying to keep him from playing? Was that one of their attempts? I think they just wanted a, a token. Then why not just keep it? You stole it. Keep it. You get did they? Did some? They got like they got a conscience all of a sudden. I guess after stealing the helmet. The uh, the game's MVP had got his helmet back just in time for the victory parade. In That's 1994. So weird. <laughs> and then two years later, the Cowboys won their fifth Super Bowl and their last Super Bowl to this point. But, uh, yeah, that was 30 years ago today. Yeah, I guess they, they yes, before, you you know, I guess we weren't deep in, in the Internet then. They'd have kept it these days because you can sell it online. <laughs> Remember when somebody sold Tom Brady's jersey down in Houston? Yeah, right? Yeah. That was a big, like, investigation. Oh, yeah. Did they ever FBI find it? FBI was in on that did one. Did they ever find it? They did. They did find it, right? They did, yeah. Tom Brady's jersey. Yeah. Somebody stole it right out of the locker room. Yeah. That was that was probably worth some money too, though, worth some cash. Yeah, it gets chaotic well, at the could, end of football. I say, you could say if, if said today they would have sold that helmet on online somewhere on the black market. What do you have in just the facts, Rod B? Uh, all right, here you go. Let's get into uh, some of these crazy facts about uh, Patrick Mahomes. Again, more and more crazy Patrick Mahomes facts. So, um, uh, Patrick Mahomes leads all multiple-time MVPs in points per game in the playoffs, <laughs> averaging over 30 points per game in the playoffs. And here's another Patrick Mahomes stat. The, uh, the Ravens led the NFL with 31 takeaways. They had zero versus Patrick Mahomes uh, in that uh, championship game. The Eagles, remember, they led the NFL with 70 sacks last season, had zero versus Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And you're, to your point on what the facts about Patrick Mahomes over 30 – you know, our guy Lamar Jackson's about to win his second, so he'll be the ninth quarterback since the merger to win two MVPs. His team's averaged 16 points in the playoffs. Not good. 16. Yeah, that ain't good. That yeah, ain't good. The narrative about Lamar Jackson right now, it's a, it's, a, it's going to be a bad one when he wins the MVP. It'll be a toxic conversation going on online about well, him. Well, and, and after you had to bail out a little bit yesterday early, Ty and I were talking about this, that, you know, I don't. I still don't get. It's kind of like the Cowboys. I mean, I don't want to tie everything to Dak Prescott, but you know, the Cowboys rebuilt their offense around Dak Prescott to get the best out of Dak Prescott, and they came to the playoffs and it didn't. It didn't click, right? They got they fell behind twenty-seven to nothing. The Ravens built their new offense and Todd Munkin around Lamar Jackson twice, and and yeah, twice. Well, this year with with with, yeah, with they, Todd Munkin. Yeah, they've done it twice. And in the regular season, when they built the best resume in football, the Ravens ran the ball on almost fifty percent of their plays. 
Against the Chiefs, they ran it 28% of their plays. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like who – What? You, Todd Monken's got to be held accountable for that too, that you get into the biggest game of the year at home in a rainy day. Yeah. And you abandon your run game? It I was mean, a terribly called game by yes. him. And then some of those runs were scrambles after he dropped back. Yes. And then ended up scrambling. Their design run rate, how about this? There have been 568 NFL games played this season, including the playoffs. The Ravens' design run rate on Sunday uh, versus Kansas City ranked 563rd. <laughs> that's that's a uh, design run, sixth lowest. That can't, Isn't that crazy? And, and, and it, I mean, it flies in the face of any logic. Because That's why the, you lost the game. Because the Chiefs' <laughs> strength is their secondary. Yeah. So you're going to call a pass-heavy game against one of the best and stickiest secondaries in pro football, not pound the rock on a rainy day. And he loves sub-packages. They love to play dime defense. He loves to play 3-3-5. Three, 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 he loves to play, you know, a, a lot of dime defenses, 3-2-6. And I'm with you. I don't know why. And, and he loves to blitz. So when you drive back to pass, he, he's sixth highest blitz rate in the NFL. What, how do you keep them from blitzing? Oh. Run, Run the, the football. ball. <laughs> I in the week previous, the Bills ran the ball with success uh, in the first half. Out of, of heavy game. sets. Out of heavy sets. Which I don't, you have a lot of. Which, golly. I'm, I'm not even a Ravens fan. I just See, I'm, Because you just said it, that in these playoff games, Patrick Mahomes, his teams have averaged 30 points. They had 17. They didn't score in the second half. No. The game was there to be won. After the first two drives, basically shut them and down. And he just kept dropping back and dropping back and dropping back. It's like, what? This is not the same Ravens team we watched all year. And then the numbers, the stats back it up. Crazy. The, the, I mean, they, they, ran, they ran the ball 50% of the time. And then in the, the, the biggest game, the AFC Championship game, they run it 28%. Yeah. And as you said, a lot of those were scramble runs. Those weren't even designed runs. So it's less than that. That was like I said, that to me is more egregious than the Dan Campbell decisions. Dan Campbell made some uh, questionable bad decisions that did not give his team a strategic tactical advantage. I understand that, um, but at least that was kind of in his character. That was who he. Oh, at you know, least that team came to play. I, I guess the Ravens were trying to break tendency. I don't. That but, doesn't make any sense. See, this against a, <laughs> that team, I mean, if you've watched the Chiefs at all this year, you know their strength is their secondary yeah. and their ability to cover and their ability to blitz. But that, all based on their coverage. Yeah. And so your game plan played right into their strength instead of trying to attack a weakness. That is uh, – you're right. That is – It was uh, horrible. Uh, that, was his, that was Todd Monkey's worst game of the season oh as a gosh. play caller. Oh, and, and that's time. what you wonder. Were you trying to put it in Lamar Jackson's hand for Lamar to showcase? I don't know. I still don't get the game plan. I still don't get it. And it's kind of the same thing we came in talking about the Cowboys. I mean, head scratching uh, with, with a lot of the times when the, the Cowboys and Dan Quinn with you know, you know, light packages against heavy – Heavy run game with the, the the Packers. I mean, just come on, man. <laughs> Let's yeah. do better. I think he was handcuffed in a little with bit because personnel. of personnel because of the injuries at linebacker. Um, but that's on that's on the GM. Y'all y'all should have been able to foresee this <laughs> happening. Well, but, I mean, back, not to bring it back to the Cowboys, but even when they were down, you bring it back to the Cowboys. and you knew the Packers were going to run the ball. They were you know you got your safeties way back. I mean, you're playing light light defense and you got safeties back. 15 yards off the ball, like they're going to throw the ball or something. Come on, man. Yeah. Run, do some run blitzes. Do something yeah. to stop this running game uh, of the Green Bay Packers. So, yeah, so questionable coaching for sure when it comes to the playoffs. That's why these things happen. They get magnified. They're the biggest games of the year. Agreed. Same thing with the Longhorn basketball team, playing a really good team uh, at home last night. Uh, we'll talk about Rodney Terry and uh, what went wrong in the first half, what went right in the second half, but in the end, another home loss for Texas. We'll talk about it with you um, and hear from RT. Also, Rod will get us his first rant of the morning. Yes, one sir. Of two. And one other quick fact in the uh, what facts of the day, Rod. Because of the – here's what it says. The ticket for Super Bowl 58, which you may be trying to acquire, 
Because of there. the Taylor Swift enhanced Chief fandom oh, and the West Coast draw of the 49ers in the, uh, the proximity to Las Vegas, <laughs> record level pricing for the game. Allegiant Stadium has reached 